Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. The Bible reads like this. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you just grateful today, Father. I pray that you would just have it your way, Father. I pray that you would use me, Father, to, to, to be able to get your word across, Father God. I love you and glorify you. Amen. Today I want to speak a little about the temptation of Jesus. Um, it's a familiar story, you know. I just love it. It's a powerful story. And um, the way, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and break it down about three things that you should be able to guard and overcome that temptation. Amen. See, the Bible breaks it down that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. During those 40 days and 40 nights, he was hung- you got to imagine he was hungry. I'm sorry, I just saw a good friend of mine. How you doing, Jesse? D- during those 40 days and 40 nights, you got to imagine that he was, you know, hungry. As he was hungry... Satan becomes, you know, to, uh, tries to come and whisper into his ear and tells him, you know, if you are the son of God, then tell these bricks of stones to turn into loaves of bread. See, right here, I see what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to get in between the commitment that Jesus has made. Turn to your neighbor and say, guard your commitment. See, but Jesus was a man that was equipped with his word. He begins to tell Satan For it is written that people shall not live off bread alone, but off every word that comes from God's mouth. Amen. So right here, what Jesus is basically saying is, Satan, I don't want what you have to to bring to me. I don't want the things that come from you, but the things that I do want are the things that come from God. Can I get an amen? See, but he tries to tempt them for the second time. How How many of you know that Satan will never give up? Amen. So the second time he tempts them, He takes them to the holy city in Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he begins to whisper to him again and tells him, if you are the son of God, jump. For it is written that he will send his angels down to catch you and lift you up before your foot could even touch a stone. See right here what I see what what, what Satan is trying to do is he's trying to get in the mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, guard your mind. See, but what, what Jesus begins to do is he's always equipped with his word. He begins to turn to, uh, to, to Satan and he begins to tell him, for yes, that is true, but it is also written that you shall not test the Lord your God. See right here when Jesus says that, I begin to see what kind of person it, that Jesus is. It begins to describe who he is, a man with courage, a man that, that, that speaks with boldness and begins to tell Satan in his face and says, yes, that is true, but it also says that you shall not test the Lord your God. He tells him in his face that that's your God, Satan. Amen? He tempts him for the third time. The third time that he tempts him, he, te- he takes him to the highest peak of the mountain where he could oversee all the kingdoms and all their glory. And he begins to whisper to him again, and he tells him, you can have all of this if you would just kneel down and worship See, right here, what Satan is trying to do, he's trying to get in between the vision. Turn to your neighbor and say, guard your vision. 
See, but Jesus always equipped in his word. Praise the Lord. And he begins to tell Satan. Before he tells Satan, though, I believe that Jesus had enough, right? It kind of reminds me of, you ever see those movies where a bully's always poking at someone? Poking, poking, or flicking at them, and it's annoying, you know, until they had enough, and then they begin to lose it and shout, say, leave me alone. Well, I believe that's what Jesus did. He begins to shout, enough, Satan, for it is written that you shall not worship no one else but the Lord your God and him only. And then it says that that Satan begins to run away. And then the angels come down, they save Jesus, amen. But I believe that Satan didn't just run away and say, well, man, he's tough, you know, I'm, I'm going to just go, you know, back to doing nothing, you know. What I believe was saying began to run away to is he said, you know what? I can't get through to him. I may not be able to break him down, but maybe I could get to the people that he loves. Isn't that what saying does? It kind of reminds me of those those superhero movies. How many of you guys seen that Batman versus Superman? All right. Not that many hands went up, so I'm not going to do a spoiler. You know, so let's just think about a superhero movie. The bad guy can't get to the good guy. He can't break him. He can't defeat him. So what he does is he goes and gets the ones that he loves. Isn't that what Satan does? Okay, I can't get through to Jesus, but maybe I could get through to the ones that he loves. Amen? Powerful was about to take place. Jesus had heard that John had been arrested. He left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulon and of Naphtali, beside the sea beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins, and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I don't know about you guys, but that's powerful to me. To see what Jesus was going through, you have to sit there and just imagine what he was going through. The enemy was trying to hit him, was trying to defeat him. He was trying to get in between his commitment that he has made. He was trying to get in between his mind. He was trying to interfere with the vision that God had planned. And then he tries to hit his loved ones. You have to imagine what he's going through. So he's just getting hit multiple times, multiple times. And most, if you, you would think about it, you know, someone getting hit like that, they would just sit there and, and begin to cry or begin like, man, life is hard. I can't do this. The enemy keeps defeating me. But no, Jesus begins to stand up. And, and, and he begins to, he, he begins to uh, take a walk down to the, uh, to the, to the seas of Galilee and he begins to find his disciples and he begins to preach the gospel victory outreach heart of the bay as I get ready to conclude here tonight I'm here to let you know that some of you might be going through some things like Jesus was I don't know if the church hear me today I don't know if the church hear me right now you might be going through some things yeah the enemy might be trying to get to you he might you some of you might be trying to fast here today amen but the, the enemy's trying to come in between while you're trying to fast amen 
Some of you might be trying to uh, make a commitment here today, but the enemy's trying to come through, right? Some of you might be uh, trying to stir something up and try to build something here today, but the enemy's trying to lie to you and say that you don't belong here in Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, but you need to, I'm here to let you know that some of you might be trying to get a new vision here today that's not aligned up with Victory Outreach's vision, but I'm here today to let you know if you would just begin to guard your commitment and guard your mind and guard your vision that there is nothing or no thing that can come in between with what God wants to do in your life. Can you guys hear me today, church? Is the church, I don't think you guys are hearing me though. If God can do it for me, then what makes you think that God can't do it for you? Where I was once lost, I was once lost out in the streets of San Francisco where I didn't have a cause or a purpose in my life. I shouldn't be here today to be speaking this message to you today, but I'm here to let you know that God had a plan on my life. I was once lost. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how to be a husband. But then God, then I shout upon the name of Jesus Christ. I tell God, here I am. Use me. Begin to change me. Oh, I don't think you hear me, church. I don't think you hear me, church. See, I can't settle for this smoke. I got to throw another testimony in there and keep the fire burning. I don't think you hear me, church. How someone, how God can get someone like Pastor Daryl that was addicted to drugs. Come on, somebody. But now he's addicted to saving souls. Come on, somebody. I can't settle for the smoke. I got to throw another testimony in there. I don't think you're hearing me. Oh, Brother Eric, how God can get someone like you that was going in and out of jail cells. Come on, somebody. But now he's going in and out of places in Hayward saving souls. Come on, somebody. He did it in the LTAs. He did it in South Garden. Come on, somebody. Now he's in San Leandro. Woo! Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing me? Come on, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, as I end here today to get my message across that, that Jesus was going through some things. The enemy was hitting him. He didn't give up. He kept moving forward. He kept moving forward. I got to do what God has called me to do. I'm here to let you know that some of you might be going through some things. It might seem like it's hard. You might feel like you don't fit in here, that you're not called to be in victory outreach. But I'm here to let you know that the devil is a liar and that God has called you. Through Jesus being obedient, look what happened. He began to start his ministry. Through someone being obedient here tonight, I see some new life groups coming. I see some new ministries coming. I see more life groups getting planted with Inspired. I see more life groups with the gang. Come on, somebody, church, if we're going to take the city of Hayward, I'm going to need somebody to stand up and give a shout of praise. Come on, you guys are saved, right? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. pray. Whew. Father God, I come to you just grateful, Father. I'm not supposed to be here, Father God, but you had your grace and your mercy upon my life, Father. I'm grateful, Father. I pray that your message 
we begin to touch someone here tonight, Father God, that, that they would take it, Father God. I'm not here to discourage someone, but I'm here to encourage them and inspire them, Father. I pray, Father God, that you would begin to do something within the city of Hayward, Father God, in the Bay Area, Father God. I pray that you would have it your way for the rest of the service, Father. We love you. We glorify you. Amen. Amen, amen. Turn your Bibles to John 1, 3. The Word of God says, God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Father God, I come before you right now, and I just pray that you remove me to the side, God, and use me, God, to be a willing vessel to preach your word, God. And I pray right now that hearts are open to your word, Father God, that you'll be glorified through this message that you gave me. Amen. The title of my message is Keep It Lit. And I'm not talking about keeping it lit in the worldly mentality, but I'm talking about is the fire of God lit inside of you. Do you have the fresh anointing, the fresh fire? Amen. Is your flame lit this evening? While I was studying and breaking down this word, the word light stuck out to me. So I looked up the definition in Greek. And so the definition of light in Greek is firelight. Okay, so if we read this scripture, then we see the real meaning of this scripture. So replace the word light with fire. So the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought fire to everyone. The fire shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I'm here to let you know tonight that if you have the fire and anointing upon your life, no darkness can extinguish your passion for the call of God. No darkness can break the commitment to the call of God. And no darkness can extinguish your loyalty to the God-given vision of Victory Outreach. And that brings me to my first point, passion for the call of God. Passion usually is referred to like, a love for something. I have a passion for sports. I have a passion for cars. I have a passion for a certain career or something like that. And, but the Greek definition of passion is suffering. Jesus suffered on the cross, but are we willing to suffer for the lost? Are we willing to fight for these lost souls? Are we willing to suffer and take hits for the spiritual weak? the drug addicts, for the gang members, the suicidal, the treasures hidden in darkness because they don't become treasures out of darkness unless we go out and pull them out of the darkness and bring them the hope of Jesus Christ. Are we willing, Victor Outreach Heart, to suffer for the call of God here tonight? And with passion like this comes commitment. Second point, committed to the call of God. When I was in high school, I played football, hard to believe, but I played football, and I loved it. I loved it because you could hit people, flip them, toss them around, do whatever you want, right, without getting suspended or arrested for it, okay? And so I loved it. Me personally, I loved it. Me, I played, I went from freshman straight to varsity. I guess I was pretty good at flipping and tossing people around. And so I went from freshman to varsity, and the commitment level that I had for that was way more higher than, than, than just playing on freshman on the freshman football team. 
We had morning workouts at 5 a.m. If you were late tomorrow, if you showed up at 5 a.m., you were late, okay? So I would have to wake up at 4 a.m., be there by 4.30 in the morning, work out until school started around 8 o'clock. After 8 o'clock, school started, got out at 3 o'clock. Right after 3 o'clock, we had football practice till around 8.30, 8.45. That's every day. So basically, when I was playing football, I was fully committed. Football was the center of my life at that time. And when I was in the UTC, my director, Pastor Ezra, he would always have us self-reflect. At the end of the day, he'll be like, before you go to sleep, reflect on what you did today, whether it was a good day or a bad day, so that you could continue to grow. So I want us to ask ourselves here tonight, are we committed? What are we committed to this evening? What is at the center of our lives here tonight? Are we really reading our word? In other words, are we looking at the word of God as a snack or a full course meal? Are we really praying every morning before we start our day? Are we really fasting to draw nearer to God or to lose weight? Because, you know, when we fast and pray, it's in January. What is in January? New Year resolutions. So checking our, our motives on why we do this. Because those who don't pray won't stay. And those who don't fast won't last. But I'm here to let you know, if your fire is lit here tonight, your commitment for the call of God will be higher than any commitment you would you have ever had in your life before. In other words, you won't think twice when pastor calls an all-night prayer meeting. You won't hesitate to fast for a month and then continue for the rest of your life. You won't hesitate to break down the word of God and then give a devotion in life group, at your job, in your school, or even the street corner. And with commitment like this brings loyalty, loyalty to this God-given vision of Victory Outreach. And I'm going to close with this, with our mission statement for the vision. Amen. Victory Outreach is an international church-oriented Christian ministry called to the task of evangelizing and discipling the hurting people of the world with the message of hope and plan of Jesus Christ. This call involves a commitment to plant and develop churches and training centers in strategic cities of the world. Victory Outreach inspires and instills within people the desire to fulfill their potential in life with a sense of dignity, belonging, and destiny. Victory Outreach works cooperatively with others of mutual purpose in accomplishing the task before us. Victory Outreach, heart of the bay. We are an army of end-time warriors. We are a demon-stopping, world-shaking, city-taking ministry that will never stop at any cost because we are keepers of the flame. Amen? I want to begin to speak about tasting. Someone say taste. It says in Psalms 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Look to your neighbor and say, what's good? Right? In the gang, we're always like, what's good, man? Look to your neighbor, your other neighbor, say, hey, what's good? And what's good is when you taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Anyone taking refuge in God? 
The word taste says it's a strong desire or a liking for something. It's an unquenchable appetite for something. The synonyms are a craving or a longing, a yearning, a thirst, a passion. John was talking about passion. People don't know how good God is because they probably never tasted. And the thing is, when you've tasted and you've been to a restaurant, I remember pastor was posting everything about La Taqueria, right? What was it? La Taqueria in the, in the mission. And it's something that you, 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 you can't keep to yourself. When you've tasted something that's so good and, and, and you know, it hits your tongue and, and it begins to work, you know, right there in your taste buds, you can't just, you know, be quiet about it, right? And the thing is today, the question is, you've tasted God before, but are you telling someone about it? Are you telling someone about Jesus, about God's love? Are you telling, you know, someone about the peace, maybe somebody that's been overwhelmed, you know, telling somebody about, you know, God's power because, you know, there, there's people out there that are weak, that are being, you know, what, hit by the enemy. And maybe we came into this place hit, you know, a little bit. I had my foot. Remember I was talking about that. But people don't know how good God is really because they've never tasted. We're going to have an opportunity to taste tonight. Amen. Also, that word see, it says taste and see. So when you've tasted and, and, and you see that word see, it says perceive with, with the eyes, to discern visually, to spot or to notice. And the thing is, are you noticing what God is doing within Victory Outreach Heart? Are you noticing that our pastor is setting us up? That you know what, we have opportunity and open doors to go across the world, and all we have to do is step into it. Do you notice these things? In Proverbs 29, verse 18, I love this scripture. It says, where there is no vision, right, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people will die, basically. And the thing is, there's people that are living, that are walking the streets of our city here in Hayward, here in the heart. They have no vision for their life. They have no vision for their family. They have no vision for themselves. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Anybody have a vision for their life? Does anybody see themselves going to the next crusade? Maybe, you know, they're in Africa, maybe in Asia, in Europe. Does anybody see that for themselves? Or, or, or every single time that pastor talks about it, you know, we get pumped up and, and we're full of the vision. We're singing wasada, wasada here at the altar. And then, you know, we go back home and, and our vision dies. I went to Africa and I finally found out what wasada, wasada means. It says get with it or get left. I was like, what? I am glad I'm here because, man, I got left the last time. I wanted to go to Asia, but it didn't happen. And God began to grow my faith and take my faith to another level. And I said, man, God, if you could take me here to Africa, you know, at 24 plus, you know, hours across the world, man, you could do something great, you know, in my life, you know, even greater than that. And I look at the gang and I'm like, God, I come back and I'm like, we got, we got a few youth. And the devil tries to discourage. He, he tries to take that vision from me. He tries to take that vision away from my team. You know, he tries to take that vision away from the young people when they go back to school. And there in Africa, we were, you know, we were walking the streets. We we're evangelizing. We were rapping. And one, one little thing is rapping is just a bonus on top of my calling. You know what I mean? And the thing is, you might have, you know, something that you're good at, but that might just be a bonus on top of what God has called you to do. And I was there in Africa, and I, I, I seen, like, the people, they were hungry for Jesus. And I said, man, back in my city, why doesn't it look like this? 
And the thing is, we set the atmosphere. We, go, we come back to our city. This is, this is our backyard. You know what I mean? That we're, we're able to, to, to go out and, as it says, put your hands to the plow. You know, I begin to be challenged, like, God, what am I doing? You know, I, I'm here as the gang leader. I'm here, you know, a part of a great ministry with great pastors, you know, with a great vision. But what am I doing? I want to ask you, where's your part? Where's your position here in this ministry? In Mark 5, 21, Verse 24 says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him. I'm going to be closing in a minute. And it says in 22, then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus, he arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. I'll tell you right now. If your daughter was dying or if your son was dying or if, you know, whoever it might be, a loved one was dying, you know, you'd, you'd be the same way, you know, act the same way as this father was. And the thing was, he was desiring a taste. He was desiring a taste because he heard about it. He heard about it. He heard about La Taqueria, right? He was, a, he was desiring a taste. And Jesus went with him and all the people followed. Someone say followed. And they were crowding around him. And it also talks about a woman. In verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with a constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay, or she, she had to pay them, but she gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had uh, heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. This woman was desiring a taste. This woman, she, she, there was a crowd surrounded around her, you know, uh, blocking her way. But as we keep going, it says, for she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I could just, you know what, get, get that taste, you know, I'll begin, you know, to come to church and, and then maybe I'll dance. If I, you know, I, I know I want that taste, I have that desire, you know, but, but you know, some things, those, those trials, those things that have been blocking my way, you know, because there were so many people crowded around Jesus, everybody wanted to get him, everybody wanted a touch, and this lady, she was, she was going through the crowd, she was pushing through the crowd, she was, she was right there trying to get her way, trying to get that taste, because remember, taste and see that the Lord is what? He's good. And she touched the hem of his garment. And it says immediately, someone say immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed for, uh, of this terrible condition. Let's move on to the other story. In verse 31, it says, his disciple said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me. And then 32, it says, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman trembled at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told, told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Sorry. And then in verse 22, Basically, Jairus, the father of the daughter, there's two similarities of, of what had taken place. 
This woman with the issue of blood was, was diseased for 12 years. This daughter of Jairus was 12 years old. There were some similarities in these two stories. And the thing is, both of them wanted a taste. The father wanted a taste. The, the, the woman with the issue of blood wanted a taste so bad that she, she pressed against the crowd. And tonight, you know, as we stand, what are some things that you need to push against or, or press, press against or begin to push away to get that taste tonight? And I, I'm going to tell you right now, just being transparent, there's, there's so many things, man, that could have stopped me, you know, from even wanting to speak. I was there at the hospital today, and pastor texted me like, hey, you Okay. Because I had, you know, injured my foot. And in my mind, I was thinking, man, I could say, man, I, you know what, man, you know, my foot really hurts. And, you know, I know he was, he was asking because I, I had to speak tonight. I have to speak. And, and I believe, you know, that, the, that it was discouraging, you know, right there in the hospital of man, like thinking, I could just be chilling at home right now. Right? Any of us could be chilling at home right now. But really, what's good? What's good to you, chilling at home or coming to a service, you know, the, a service where God wants to move in such a mighty way? We talked about commitment. We talked about guarding our commitment, guarding our mind, guarding our vision. We talked about being lit for God. We're talking about tasting and seeing, you know, that the Lord is good. These messages, are they, are they challenging you? God is speaking right now to many of you. And maybe you know this month hasn't been the best month. Maybe this week hasn't been the best week. But the right now is right now, and God wants to move in it. And I think about gang, and I look at the letters, and we're called God's anointed now generation. We're a generation that belongs to God. Not for the future but the right now to impact the future. And I'm gonna ask you, are you here to impress or are you here to impact? Do we come to church to impress or do we come to church to impact, to, to get what God you know, is, is speaking and, and take it out to our job, take it out to our workplace, take it out to our school? Does it ring inside of your head when you leave this place, man, I got to stay committed. I've been coming to church a long time, you know, and I, I, I know that, you know, God has called me to, to guard my commitment. Maybe your commitment has, has fault, got, got, got faulty or it's, it's failed. God is saying, pick it back up. Maybe your mind, you know, the devil's been, been playing, you know, because the mind's a battlefield. Guard your mind. Guard your vision, this beautiful vision, you know, the, to, to reach treasures out of darkness. Are there any treasures here in this place? Don't forget where you came from. Because when you remember that, you become grateful. With every hand lifted right now.